We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone. Welcome into the Guilty as Charged podcast presented by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Had to do a live show for the first day of training camp. Uh, as you can see, I was not able to attend, but Tyler was. So, Tyler, how are you doing today, man? And what was uh, the first day of practice like? I'm doing very well, and it was so nice to get back out there. You know, we don't try to overreact to all the things that we see, but just getting to go be there in person and check out, you know, who's doing what. Who looks like what? How tall is Donald Parham? All those things that you get when you get to go to the actual practices. Um, it's a ton of fun. I got to see a couple of people that I've never met before. I got to hang out with Arjun and talk to him about the game. I got to bring my fiance. So it was really nice just to be down there to see everybody. Uh, someone in the comments already asked how the turnout was. I was worried at first. It seemed a little small, but I would say about 85% of the stands were filled. And considering that's a weekday, it's a Wednesday, and really there's nothing yeah. going on, that's pretty good. So I think I was pretty happy with the turnout. Yeah, I think I saw online that there's like a thousand people, like in, in room for a thousand people there. So yeah, uh, I imagine on Saturday that that's going to oh, be yeah. packed. Tyler, Tyler and I will be there together that day. So uh, really excited about that. Alex is going to join us short, shortly, hopefully. Um, you know, we'll have to see what, what happens with him. Um, but yeah, Tyler, did you email him the link? Uh, no, and you don't have to. If you just log in with our StreamYard, you can immediately join. Okay, sorry about that. So, but I can do that. I can do that too as well. So you can go ahead and talk, and I'll. I'll All do right. That. So, um, we're gonna have some fun conversations today. Tyler and uh, is able to share some of his observations from uh, the training camp today, and then we're also gonna talk about um, some Chargers who are likely or have the potential to make their first Pro Bowl. Uh, and some other, you know, housekeeping businesses as well. The Chargers were able to sign uh, their rookie class, which we'll discuss as well. Looks like Alex is in now, so here's Alex as well. Alex, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing pretty good. Sorry for being fashionably late, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I'm here. it's all good. It's all good. So first and foremost, um, Tyler and Alex, or Tyler and Alex, Tyler and Arjun, excuse me, Arjun. Um, they did post a video already with their initial takeaways from training camp. Um, so if you haven't yet, check that out after we are done here. 
Tyler, I think my biggest question, oh, uh, what the hell is going on with the punt <laughs> return, man? Like Jalen Guyton back there. Um, I'd be lying if I said I was uh, inspired with confidence by reading that today. Yeah, I mean, listen, I understand that they would try out different guys to try to find some sort of punt returner, but they were trying out Jalen Guyton, which I think was odd. So as expected, Austin Prohl and KJ Hill, I believe, are the first two guys out there to field punts, and that's understandable. And I do think Austin Prohl is currently in the lead as he was out there for the drills and for the actual, I guess, like 7v7 or 11 on 11 when they were doing punt coverage and stuff or punt returns. Um, so I do believe Prohl is in the lead. But then, yeah, Guyton and Johnson were out there as well. And I'm pretty sure eight to 10 punts were dropped by the collection of receivers that were there. And it, unfortunately it wasn't just one guy. If I had to guess, I think KJ Hill dropped the least. I don't, I didn't actually see him drop one, but I heard he did. Um, but yeah, Pearl dropped two. Guyton dropped like two and a half. One that was kind of out of bounds that he just sort of let go. Um, but the interesting one was Tyron Johnson, who when he caught the football, he looked so natural running with it. There's just something yeah. about him. But he had a hard time fielding some punts. And Arjun was close enough to hear that at some point, because Tyron Johnson was unable to get underneath the football or just letting the ball bounce a couple of times, and one time it did hit him, that he was actually benched at some point, uh, not on offense, but on on punt returns. So, uh, yeah, not looking good overall on the punt return. <laughs> big problem considering the historically bad special teams that we just watched last season. But it's very early and, you know, overreactions i don't know yet but again eight to ten punts as a unit was pretty bad yeah and it just it cracked me up like we've talked about like this team just getting smarter and then you know the first day of camp they they put the guy with the worst hands on the team and it looked like it it, that just kind of cracked me up um you know in, in general i think from it's hard to take away anything major obviously from the first day sure um you know it is normal for the defense to kind of you know, have a leg up, leg up on the offense, especially with mm-hmm. the new scheme. Um, but did anyone? I know you said that Arjun, you know, kind of focused yeah. more on the defense. What was, what was, what was kind of the energy like when the defense was was out there, kind of dominating? It seems like was the case. Guys, this defense is going to be good. Like when they're, everybody's healthy and on the field, it's going to be pretty good. And you know, some of the highlight plays that you might see on Twitter or whatever for let's say like Herbert throws to Allen or something like that. Make sure you're watching the defensive line and the offensive line, because there were some plays where, you know, the fans would cheer. Woohoo. Great catch Keenan Allen, but you're watching the line going, I'm pretty sure Herbert would have gotten sacked on that play. Yeah. Um, the defense was just alive. Like every time, like there was one play, uh, Austin Eckler went out to the flat. Kenneth Murray was right there. No problem. Uh, Jared Cook caught a ball like two yards off the line of scrimmage and Chris Harris was right there to tackle him. And it was so hard on uh, the offense as well, but it was so hard to follow who was doing what on defense. Like you generally get who the starters are. Like I know Derwin James is on the field, but you have some plays where Nasir, like when they first went out, it was um, Harris and Davis is the outside corners. And then uh, Adderley playing the slot. And then you have, oh my God, someone made a 76ers joke. The- <laughs> Sorry, someone distracted me with the 76ers joke there in the comments. <laughs> um, but then you would have Derwin James in the slot covering Keenan Allen. Like it is so cool to watch all these guys. And the, the defense really stood out today because and they just were sharp, and, and part of it, yeah, is because of, um, you know, you had everybody healthy out there, and the defense has been together a lot longer than this offense, which is basically new. Like, yeah. almost none of these guys have actually played together, and even the guys that are returning didn't play, like, the entire 16 set of games last season. So um, the defense definitely stood out overall, and I'm, I'm really excited to see um, how it turns out. I guess the only questionable thing that people were worried about that I saw on Twitter was uh, – 
Asante Samuel Jr. not starting on the outside. We kind of expected that going into it. It's still a, yeah. somewhat of a surprise. But again, we have the entire preseason to go. And, you know, we still have to get to week one. And if that doesn't change, then fine. But, you know, he was out there with the twos. Same with Josh Palmer. And they looked, you know, they looked fine in their role. So um, nothing to panic about yet. But the defense looked really good. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Go ahead, Alex. Uh, no, I mean, the it seems like the defense looked fine. I mean, I can't comment on anything because I wasn't there. So my interpretation of training camp so far has just been reading uh, all the tweets from the GAC account and Tyler's account. Um, I guess the only takeaway really that I had is that Roundtree is leaped Kelly. Uh, is is that the is that what's happened? It's it early on. It did look like that. And again, I was trying to say like, look, these are position drills. Like they just right. happen to be going first. I'm not quite sure. As far as the offense went, I do think it was kind of 50-50 yeah, on who okay. was going, you know, when and where. And it wasn't like Roundtree or Kelly was with Herbert all that much. It was just who was rotating with Chase Daniel, mm-hmm. who is quarterback too. Um, as far as you know, any leg up, um, Roundtree was the guy rushing while Joshua Kelly was on the punt protection or was punt protecting um, with the starters, if you will. So I do believe as far as special teams go, I think uh, Joshua Kelly will be on the field first, or he has been so far. And again, Roundtree was the guy rushing him, not protecting. So I believe it's how neighbors protect and Kelly protect. I didn't see Roundtree protect that I was aware of. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's going to be interesting to watch, just especially because Justin Jackson is out now. But yeah, uh, Brandon Saley did say he expects him back by the end of the week. So I mm-hmm. would assume that means the end of next week. Did he say next week? Yeah, he um, said Justin Jackson is going to do the full 10 days. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, all right. Never mind. <laughs> I was, was going to say, it seems like he, I, I thought he said by the end of the week, but yeah, next week, I guess, makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's uh, obviously something that we'll have to, uh, you know, see how that plays out. You know, this is a huge opportunity, right, for Larry Roundtree and Joshua Kelly. Um, Alex and I had a kind of a spirited debate whether or not this team kind of needs to sign another back and, and bring someone else in. I happen to think that they, they could benefit from bringing in another body, but if, if I had a choice, it would be Duke Johnson. If not, mm-hmm. then that's fine. Like, if it's someone like a Tormain Pope, like, I just think that they need another body. Alex happens to disagree, but um, obviously something that to keep an eye on. Um, Roundtree and Kelly, it makes sense that they're about 50-50 right now. You know, they're... Yeah. They're very similar players. Like, you know, the, the two of them will have to figure a way out to separate from the other person. Yep. Um, and then obviously when Jackson comes back, he's got to prove that he can stay on the field. It really sucks, man, because, you know, it, he is just like Hunter Henry, right? Like he has all these injuries, has all these injuries. Yep. And then if it's not an injury, it's COVID. So that really yeah. sucks for him being out for 10 days of training camp. Essentially the first two weeks like that. That's really, really tough um, for someone who could be potentially, you know, looking at getting cut this year. Uh, honestly, as far as the first day of training camp goes, I think Justin Jackson's spot is safe. Uh, if you're asking me who went out and played, you know, re- who was the receiving back, it was Eckler, sure. And then it was Gabe Neighbors. Like, it's not like they sent out Kelly or Roundtree out to go run. Like, I'm not talking, you know, screen passes. That's a, that's not really the same thing. But like neighbors was the guy they sent outside. And I don't know if that was going to eventually be Justin Jackson's role or if that actually is neighbors thing or what, because I know early on in training camp last season, Jackson was running like wheel routes and catching touchdowns from Justin Herbert, I believe, or Tyrod Taylor. So uh, we'll see. But I, I think as far as Jackson goes, his spot is safe for now because the other guys just haven't shown that they can be a receiving back yet in the way that Jackson is much better at. 
Yeah, I, I just kind of find it hard to believe that, like, he's really a cut candidate. I understand the injury concerns, you know. I mean, they've been talked about to death. You know, he's played 16 out of the last 32 in the last two years. But mm-hmm. Joshua yeah. Kelly and Larry Roundtree just aren't there yet. Um, I mean, right. Larry Roundtree, give him some patience, right? I mean, you know, this is really his first day on the job. Uh, so, you know, I'm not going to... I'm not going to go too far into that, but you know, I, I think that, yeah, I, it just has to be Justin Jackson as RB two, unless you've seen more from everybody else. And Joshua Kelly looked like he was pushing him last year until he wasn't. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I think we just kind of have to wait and see on that. Um, but yeah, as far as bringing in another running back is concerned, I think my thing is just, I don't know what it would add unless it's like a Todd Gurley or Duke Johnson kind of guy. And if you, really want to get Todd Gurley and Duke Johnson in there, you probably have to give them RB2 or RB3, right? Like Todd Gurley isn't Pretty coming much. back. Yeah. Todd Gurley isn't coming back <laughs> to be a camp body, right? And I sure. Duke Johnson, sure. not in the same tier as Todd Gurley in terms of star, yeah. but I don't think he's going to come in either. Like, you know, you're probably looking at Troy Main Popes or Kenyon Barners as just like guys, if you want mm-hmm. a body, which I'm not against, but I don't think you're getting anyone who changes things. Um, and you know, if you really want to give like Austin Eckler like a day off if he's feeling tired, I'm fine with that because I mm-hmm. think he's proven himself yeah. at this point. Um, so I feel like that would be the more the direction that I would go. But. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the only thing I'll randomly add is Darius Bradwell was there. Uh, I knew he was Bradwell because he's only running back I didn't recognize. I'm not going to make a weight <laughs> joke, but when they were giving out, <laughs> when they were giving out footballs at the end, right? They sign these little white footballs that are like the size of your fist, and they're throwing them up to the stands, and he's throwing them as hard as he can up to different people the one time he winds up as hard as he can and he throws it and he totally blows it and it hits the person like two feet in front of him as hard as he possibly can straight in the face um so hopefully got an extra signature out of that because he (laughs) unloaded a football onto somebody's face today so the autograph thing they they are handing like footballs to the players and then the players throw them out yeah so there's a bucket of white footballs not even with the logo on it, i don't think and they're just like little like squishy they could be nerf or something like that and the guys literally would take the ball sign it make a bucket full of them and then throw them so today it was eckler bradwell slater came over for some reason which was great um and then neighbors was there throwing football so there was one section with eckler and the other section got neighbors and bradwell so yes. uh it was make sure you sit it kind of maybe more in the middle or towards like the entrance don't sit kind of on the end because you'll get a Bradwell signature. <laughs> I saw the the director went to like uh, some random store and got a signed Chargers helmet, and it turned out to be signed by Cardell Jones. So, <laughs> no way. <laughs> Very fun. Like, what do you pay for it? I think he said he paid like five bucks for it or something like okay. that. Okay, all right, that's fine. Um, that's worth the joke. Really funny. Um, yeah, I, I obviously saw the Justin Herbert thing where he was, you know, signing some stuff. Um, I thought it was hilarious how like. You could tell he was like looking around and, and couldn't figure out what he was going to do. And then everybody just starts chucking all their stuff at him, like a jersey, really? a, a helmet, like everything that was like anything that people had on them. They were oh, just man. chucking at Justin Herbert. Um, <laughs> so I saw he signed some stuff. I saw Michael yeah. Davis sign some stuff. Nice. Um, so, yeah, in terms of the defense, right, like any kind of back to things. The, one of the things that I thought was really interesting um, was the amount of players who took snaps in the slot. I saw Nasir mm-hmm. Adderley had some slot snaps. There were in James, Chris Harris, obviously, uh, and Asante Samuel Jr. as well. So, yeah. um, you know, we've kind of heard this is going to be a positionless defense, and it, it certainly seems like that. Um, and Justin Herbert kind of talked about that in his press conference. You know, it's 
makes things very difficult for them to go up against the defense with so many moving parts, Mm -hmm. um, but obviously going to make them better as well. So, um, you know, so far everything's kind of, you know, panning out the way that we think in terms of defensive movement and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And you also talked about, you know, Kenneth Murray covering the flat. So I'm really interested to see exactly how this pans out and, you know, all the roles that these guys are going to play. And it was also hilarious how Derwin James was like, yeah, I'll play nose guard too if you want. (laughs) He'd probably be really good at it. He probably would. (laughs) Yeah, he'd probably be really, really good at it. I'd be terrified to line up against Derwin James. I mean, I would anyway, but also as an offensive (laughs) lineman. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I, you know, the Derwin comments, I think, were pretty on point. Like, you, you know, I know a lot of people are like, you got to bubble wrap Derwin James and, you know, just sit him. It's like, well, you know, he, I mean, he had a point. Like, you know, you can get easily or just as easily get hurt, you know, being mm-hmm. cautious playing football as you can playing aggressive. So to me, I just think you got to go all out. Something happens, it happens, you know, but, uh, you know, the Chargers are paying for aggressive Derwin James. They're not right. paying for cautious Derwin James at the end of the day. I really wish that they would just stop asking him about his injury. Like every single time he comes to the podium, it's like, well, how are you feeling? Like, well, how's your mentality changed since being injured? It's like, all right, guys, like he's, he's answered this question enough already. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, Obviously the other thing that you and Arjun talked about, which is very, very interesting is a potential expanded role for Gabe neighbors. Um, yeah. obviously those who know us well know that we were at least Tyler and I were, were kind of yeah. vying for Bobby Holly, but that's because we felt like that was the better fit. We have never felt any kind of, you know, hatred or anything towards Gabe neighbors. We obviously want to see him succeed. Um, and frankly, it was just, it seemed like it was a bad fit last year. This year, it seems like they have an, an expanded plan for him. Uh, so Tyler, why don't you talk about Gabe neighbors and what you saw, uh, his role and potentially what how that could change for him. Okay, so I will say two things. The first thing, and both are true. One is that he was lined up wide at wide receiver quite a bit. And it wasn't just that he trotted out there. It was that they would line him up in the backfield and then motion him out. And the same thing would happen with Eckler. And so he'd go out wide and he took maybe four or five snaps that I saw out there. I'm assuming that's definitely more than he did last season. I don't have the numbers in front of me. But it was certainly notable. The other thing I'll say, though, is that he pretty much ran go routes and was kind of a decoy. So it wasn't like they were asking him to do anything in particular. I don't believe he was targeted while he was there out wide. But it was notable. And and even in just not counting those outside reps, there were some where he would take um, from like an angle route or something out of the backfield. So there is some sort of plan for him here. I don't quite know what that is just yet. But he is going to be involved in the passing game. I didn't get a chance to watch too much of the run game. And frankly, the run game was shut down quite a bit today. So I didn't get to see how he was going to be used as a fullback. Um, But as a receiver, it looks like he will definitely have a role. People are definitely comparing him to Kyle Juszczyk, of course. um, But I need to see more of what he'll do as a fullback in the run game to really figure out what kind of role he's going to have. Just real quick before Alex jumps in here. So uh, he had 118 snaps in the backfield. He had six snaps as an inline tight end. Two okay. snaps in the slot and three out wide last season. Yeah, so he pretty much had that out wide and in the slot today. Yeah. So, yeah, so I think the neighbors uh, out wide thing is interesting. It feels like it was just a decoy, but I definitely think he'll be more involved in the receiving game. Yeah. Um, you know, some of us, I mean, last year we're talking about his versatility. Um, <laughs> you know, so it looks like I was right and you guys were wrong. 
but he has like two catches okay chill out (laughs) well look brandon staley preaches versatility and here we are with gabe neighbors and the fullback revolution yeah i'm I'm versatile too alex i can use two fingers let's say you're (laughs) we never we never thought that you were wrong alex just that it seemed very contradictory for anthony lynn to use the versatile fullback instead of the hammerhead fullback that's all that that's all really that whole thing was for the two of us it just seemed weird I do think Holly would still right. be better well, for was a fullback in this in this offense too, because it requires a lot when they run that outside zone. It does require that fullback to take care of business. So you guys really can't help yourselves. All right. Anyway, <laughs> uh, Kyle, Kyle Uzcheck. I mean, all right, we're not going to jump to Kyle Uzcheck yet. I mean, I think no, we got to pump the brakes no, on that. That's, that's <laughs> too pretty, rich. Yeah. A pretty uh, historically great fullback. So. Um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm excited to see him get involved and I'm sure there's a little bit of like Justin Herbert kind of get my roommate involved here. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised sure. if that was the case. Uh, but I think I did see enough from him last year to, to be like, all right, you know, this guy has a little bit more to his game, particularly towards the end of the season when he caught a few passes. Um, mm-hmm. so, you know, I, I'm, I'm intrigued by it. Yeah, absolutely. And as Kevin Kernick is pointing out, right, like, Having a fullback on the field that is versatile, it gives you a specific advantage in terms of personnel. And this is something that the Niners have done a fantastic job with Kyle Juszczyk. Again, you know, we need to see a lot more out of Gabe Neighbors before we kind of make that, you know, actual comparison. Sure. But in terms of personnel, right, like you bring a fullback onto the field, you know, it forces opposing defenses to stay in their base packages. You have to account for the potential of that fullback run blocking and, of course, mm-hmm. you know, the team running. So if Gabe Neighbors can actually use his versatility, be motioned out wide, you know, motion him into the slot, motion him into the H-back, then that is great. You know, I have to say, when I went back and was watching some of the Florida State tape from uh, Trey McKitty, mm-hmm. it was really, you know, interesting how Florida State would kind of use McKitty and Gabe Neighbors essentially as interchangeable pieces between tight end H-back and fullback. And, you know, that is obviously something that Chargers could look at between the two of them. Yeah. Um, But ultimately, you know, if neighbors is being used more, I think that is good for the offense. It gives the team more options and and he'll have a role at least as a blocker, right? Like both the saints and the Niners and the Packers, all three of them, they all use a fullback quite a lot in terms of, you know, at least in terms of run blocking, but obviously the more neighbors can do it, the better it is for the offense. In general, watching the offense and the defense, it was, it's so confusing. It is so difficult to keep track of who is doing what in these offense and defense, which is great. It's exactly what I've been looking for. I brought a piece of paper with everyone's names and numbers <laughs> and positions on it because I couldn't keep track of who was who. And granted, yeah. it is very difficult because they had nine rookies and so many free agents that they brought in so many you know, number changes, but Man, like they are so versatile now, whether it's good or bad right now, like the offense didn't exactly capitalize as much as the defense, but boy, are they multiple right now. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just going to be interesting to watch kind of going forward. Like I I would probably lose my mind at training camp the first day back and seeing Kenneth Murray as number nine. Um, That would (laughs) would be the easy thing because he's so big. Yeah. Yeah, And yeah, but nine is like, okay, nine. Perfect. I knew who that is. I didn't have to ever think about it again. 
yeah. Well, so the which which ones were the hard ones? Just like all the all the running backs and that kind of stuff. <laughs> the running backs were kind of like because eh, there's a 34, there's a 35, and there's a 30. So it's like, oh gosh, who's that? And then the DBs <laughs> gets kind of tough because I'm like, okay, wait. So face on is 28, and then Samuel Jr. is 26, and he has 25. So it takes a while to get used to. Um, I'll figure it out eventually. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm looking at some of these questions here. Uh, mm-hmm. Apparently, there's someone in here from Serbia. So, hello, like that's amazing. Um, you know, that's I would love to hear that story of how someone in Serbia became a Charters fan. Um, but looking at some of these questions, um, you know, people asked Derwin about Nasir Adderley. Did you get a chance, Tyler, to kind of see anything about Nas and how he looked with this new scheme? Obviously, I mentioned uh, yeah. someone pointed out that he took some snaps in the slot. What did you see from Nasir Adderley today, if anything? Pretty much that. I don't recall him being able to do all that much. And it's not like they were doing live tackling either. So even if he was kind of there, if Keenan Allen made a catch and he was right there, you're just kind of like letting them do their thing. So I didn't get to see a whole lot just yet. I think when padded practices start, that's when we'll learn about Nisir Adderley because my biggest concern with him is being able to come up and make stops in the run game. So, you know, right now, can't tell you a whole lot other than what you just said or what you already heard. They played a lot in the slot, which is great, but that's, that's kind of all I know so far. Um. Did you see like when Adderley or Derwin were in the slot, what was mm-hmm. happening behind the linebackers, if anything? With the linebackers in particular or just no, like so Derwin comes in the slot, right? Like who's right. behind the linebackers when Derwin or Oh Adderley great question. You'd probably have to ask Arjun that one. I don't okay. so yes, yeah, so the linebackers, Harrison Davis out wide, like James or Adderley would go in the slot. I think James is roaming somewhere. I honestly forget who was, who was behind them at that point. I do know that the second rotation was Webb and Gilman. So DeLuca has not cracked that spot just yet. <laughs> but um, as far as going on behind them, I don't quite know just yet. I will all kind of just key on in that uh, the next time. For sure. Um, and go ahead, Alex. No, I was just going to say shout out to that one guy from Serbia. Uh, although I don't like Novak Djokovic. So sorry about that. Uh, that <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, no, I think the stuff about the safeties is great. Um, you know, just Webb and Gilman, I guess, in the second rotation makes sense. And I guess Adderley is currently still first rotation. But um, yeah, so I, I think that makes sense as far as like everybody else. Um, yeah, DeLuca, <laughs> I, were any of the Udfas really uh, getting any chances other than, you know, was Agbang Bamiga there? Or... Ooh, good question. I didn't get a chance to watch the rotation alignment. So, okay, full disclosure, someone came over, Josh. Goelli Bolts came over and started talking to me okay. <laughs> and he was behind me. So my view of practice ended up kind of being like this. Um, so you, you, if you have any questions about the defense, ask Arjun. He does who was in the 5-2, who was the nickelback, who was the dimeback or whatever, like all that, throw it at Arjun, Mr. PFF over there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, shout out to Arjun, man. Great guy. So I'm going to do, I'm going to be attending practice on Friday as well. I'll do another mm-hmm. video with Arjun. Um, and then I think the three of us are going to be all be at practice on Saturday. So that'll be fun. Mm-hmm. Um, Kareem C, were you there for the warm ups or anything like that? Uh, yeah. Just, I mean, I wasn't like, oh my gosh, they're warming up. What are they doing? But <laughs> like, what's the question? Uh, the question is that uh, we've obviously heard that the new staff is revamping the way the players warm up to prevent injuries. Uh, okay. Did you see anything different uh, in, in that regard? Okay. So, 
this is great. Uh, my, my fiance is currently works in a PT clinic. And so she was able to talk about some of the things that were going on. And, you know, while we're watching a bunch of warmups, like what else do you talk about? So she was saying that basically everything that they were doing during warmups and stretches and all that is exactly the same things that they do that they prescribe to pay, not prescribe, but, you know, tell patients to do in their own clinic. So I can't tell you exactly, you know, if that's any different than what they used to do, but I can tell you at least they're not just having them do stupid things because they're doing the same things in the clinic my, my fiance works at. So there you go. Shout Insider knowledge. Yeah, there you go. Um, and then the other question from Aaron Woolley, did you get to see any action from the kickers or punters and how did they look? So I will say that the punters are, so the punters were closer. The kickers were far away. Like I couldn't tell who was who. And at that angle and that distance, I couldn't tell if the ball was going in the, in the, the post or not. So <laughs> I have no idea. Uh, frankly, if they were missing, also wouldn't surprise me. The punters looked fine. There were a couple of plays where like there was one like line drive punt that was clearly not intentional. There was a couple of really short ones. Um, I ball watched more than Jersey watched. So I'm like, oh, there's the ball doing that. But I didn't watch who did it. Um, so some of the struggles on the punt returns were because the punters were kind of like a little bit off. I don't know if that was long or if that was not Leckler. Lachlan? No. Lachlan Edwards. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Um, so I don't know if, if the problem was there or what. Oh, one thing I do want to add. I saw on Twitter a couple of people saying that, well, Austin Prohl definitely has the lead edge and all this, but like in the punt return job. And I guess that's true, but he also sucked today too. So some people are really <laughs> sugarcoating the Austin Prohl thing that like, oh, yeah. he definitely has the lead. And I guess he does, but he dropped two punts today as well. So pump the brakes if you see, if you see that on Twitter. Pump the brakes a little bit. Yeah, I, when it comes to punt returns and kick returns, I didn't really feel like anybody had the lead. It just felt like, I mean, yeah. you were there, but from your mm-hmm. tweets, it just felt like they were trying things and, you know, they'll see kind of what sticks. I was, yeah. I was, uh, I don't know if you've been asked this question, but was uh, Nas involved in punt returns at all? Great question. Punt returns, no. And I didn't get to see anything about kick returns. So mm-hmm. Joe Reed and Nasir Adderley were not out there returning punts. They are. If anything, reserved for kickoff returns, but I didn't see anything about punt return. Okay. Someone needs to explain to me why someone who can't, someone who can return kickoffs can't return punts. Like, it doesn't make sense to me how someone like Joe Reed, like, he was so, so good at kick returns in college, but he, like, had two or three punt returns. Like, I, I don't understand why you can't do both. I have no idea. And if you th- if you say it's a hands thing, I kind of understand, but then you had Jalen Guyton out there doing punt returns. So I, I, I'm <laughs> at a loss for words. Yeah. From a, Go ahead. No, Go ahead. I was just going to say, I, I really don't know what the issue is there because, like, Desmond King was a little bit like that, too. Um, and so I, I don't know what was up with that or what what the difficulty actually is in receiving punts and kicks and why it's different. Um, I, I really have, <laughs> have no idea. I The only thing I guess I would guess is maybe... You know, if you're if you're kicking off, it's more of like a line drive scenario, and if it's a punt, then it's kind of more of an arc to it. But like, I don't know. That's that's really just a guess. Yeah, yeah. Just from a roster standpoint, like the it, it does kind of annoy me. I guess is the right phrase that whoever is going to win the punt return battle isn't going to be like a contributor on the actual roster. Like Austin Pearl and KJ yeah. Hill are, are probably the two best punt returners, but neither of them are going to see the field in terms of being a wide receiver unless mm-hmm. someone gets hurt. Like, you know, Desmond King obviously had his faults, but he was a start, like he was a starting caliber player who also returned punts. Like that's useful. And it almost feels like they're kind of going to be wasting a roster spot 
for someone who's going to be on the field yep. and touch the ball like three times a game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were trying to figure out. I was talking to Arjun about that. We were trying to figure out like it's just it's so tough to give one of these guys the role because like that's all they're going to do. Like yeah. I'd rather have kind of anything else. I'd rather hopefully find some other starter or not starter, but you know role player at least on offense who can do it, like Joe Reed. But they're not they're not going to let him try apparently. Yeah, as, that's as really weird. weird because that's kind of what they drafted Jerry to do. I mean, I guess it's a new coaching staff, but like they did draft him partially because of his special teams and now they're not letting him play it, I guess. Again, we'll see how that kind of develops in the preseason, but just uh, very weird. But, you know, it, mm-hmm. it is a new coaching staff and they will have different opinions on players like we've kind of already seen with Joshua Kelly a little bit. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Tyler. Uh, kind of wrapping this up here, and then we'll talk about some uh, Pro Bowl potential players and then obviously get to some more questions. Um, did anyone kind of surprise stand out to you today? Someone that made a couple plays that you were uh, kind of not expecting to see? You know, I, I kind of talked about this before, but, um, you know, Gabe, da- uh, Gabe Davis was his name? Jeremy Davis. There we go. Jeremy Davis was kind of like one of the better receivers at mm-hmm. one of the training camp mm-hmm. practices that I went to in 2019. Uh, so anyone surprise you today? It's funny. I feel like I've heard about the Jason Moore hype for like 50 years now, and I'm pretty sure he looks like it. Again, I did, personally, I didn't know he was on the team, and I didn't know that he was um, – like I didn't know what number he was. But I saw him out there, and he looked smooth, and he was catching quite a few balls. I'm like, okay, that's pretty good. So I feel like he'll probably have another decent preseason and then just not make it, be on the practice squad, and move on with everything. As far as like guys that are making plays I was kind of surprised with, um, I mean, everyone defense, I wasn't really surprised with. So in terms of how they looked, I was surprised that Josh Palmer looked as good as he did running routes, even just in drills or even catching the football, even just on, you know, blank seven on sevens, no tackling, no nothing. It's just the way somebody looks, the way they catch the football, the way he catches it and continues running in stride. Nothing is broken. Part of that's the quarterback. Sure. But also it's a skill you develop as a receiver. So him, I was surprised with Tyron Johnson has actually some really good grabs. For as, as awkward as he looked as a punt returner, he did have some really good grabs as a receiver. So uh, obviously I was watching more of the offense today. So I would say that like in general, some of the receivers surprised me, um, but otherwise nothing really like Herbert didn't have the best day and it's not all his fault, um, but nothing really surprised me yet. I think I'll try to focus more on the defense and then some of the hogs on Saturday. Um, and so, oh, I guess we should talk about, have you guys talked about the offensive line yet or have we not gotten to that? Not in particular, not really. and, and so okay. the most the most I'll say is that the defense won the day, and there wasn't a lot of running room, and they did get after Herbert or the other quarterback quite a bit, at least as as the starting unit goes. Um, but that's kind of expected. Like we did right. expect this. I did have slightly more optimistic expectations by the time Week One rolls around when they played Chase Young, but we'll see. Uh, for but for right now, the defensive line definitely kind of won handily. All right. No, uh, I guess that was just my only question. Kind of going into the day, I did not expect by any means this offensive line to look finished yet. I mean, especially right. because, totally. this is, you know, Slater's really first true reps. And, you know, then you got uh, after, you know, missing a whole, whole season. And then you got, you know, Filer and everybody else that's new there, including Ibushi. So, um, plus Lindsley. So, really, Blog is the only holdover. And, you know, he played half the season a little bit more than that last year so um mm-hmm. it, it really is kind of a brand new offensive line and it wouldn't you know shock me if they struggle through the first four games or so 
Yeah, training camp in general, like it, it's going to be a defensive show. Like that's that's just how it is. You know, yeah. when I was in and when I was in high school in my one year at college, like it, defensive practices, you know, they were always the ones who won the day. And the offensive line, until they get into pads, it's so hard. Like from an exactly. offensive lineman standpoint blocking someone like Joey Bosa without pads on like it's it's so much more difficult than it already sure. is so I'm not I'm not super worried and, and no one really should um so I see these questions guys we'll talk about Xavier Howard and the Devonta Adams stuff like that in a minute um but we wanted to talk about some uh chargers who have the potential to make their first pro bowl um we each have ranked the top five most likely candidates um, so we'll go over that, and then we'll each talk about uh, one particular player that we're going to make an argument for. So, Alex, we'll start with you here. Um, rank your top five most likely Chargers to make their first Pro Bowl, uh, and then make your case for uh, your one specific player that you have chosen. So, bad news. I didn't make a top five because I thought we were only doing the one. Um, if you, I can rattle really like a top four off the top of my head uh to me i mean i think tyler is kind of the winner. don't share mine yet oh, okay well, should we have tyler go first to have tyler go first and, and alex you can think yeah, about your list yeah. a little bit more let, let, okay. yeah because that'll give me more details so yeah all right Perfect. Tyler, go okay. ahead yeah I, i'm so happy that i found this and okay so i'll go with my list i moved mike williams off my list to six so my top five is going to be it's interchangeable at, at the start. Drew Tranquil and Kenneth Murray, I think it's kind of interchangeable. I think Murray just might have that first-round bias. And I did see him pretty active today, and I do believe he was shouting out some plays today. So I don't know if Tranquil is officially going to be the play caller or not, but it looked like Murray was the guy getting Tranquil into a position uh, rather than vice versa. Um, so my top three are Michael Davis, number two, Austin Eckler, and number one, who I had no freaking clue, he had never made the Pro Bowl. I think we had just all assumed he had made the Pro Bowl before. Oh, by the way, we're not doing Justin Herbert right now because that's an easy answer. So if we don't say Justin Herbert, chill. Right. Um, so the the guy, the number one guy on my list is Corey Lindsley. I had no idea that he did not make the Pro Bowl. I think that is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Um, for whatever reason, whether it's Pro Bowl voting or wherever that poll was, Lindsley is just getting snubbed left and right. And now he was voted to the uh, the All Pro. He was a first team All Pro, which is crazy. Like I don't know how often you're a first team All Pro and you don't make the Pro Bowl. That's such like a Huge distinction there. I think Desmond King actually had that issue, though, uh, a couple of years ago. But, I mean, to me, there's not really much of an argument to make. Like, Corey Lindsley is one of the best centers in the league, one of the best interior offensive linemen in the league, in a high-profile offense in L.A., and he's paid a ton. Like, I think across the board, he has everyone's attention. Pro Bowl is tough because it is fan voting, but I do think a lot of people know his name. And going from Rodgers to Herbert, I think he just – there's a lot of high-profile, um, you know, he can be a little more high profile this year, and so I think he'll make the uh, the Pro Bowl. Yeah. The so only I, thing, I, go ahead. No, Alex, the, sorry. Yeah. The only thing I was going to say in regards to fan voting, because I actually did look at who got into the Pro Bowl last year in the NFC, and it was uh, Jason Kelsey and Frank Ragno. Um, mm-hmm. So you know, yeah, I wouldn't say that Kelsey was better than Lindsley last year, but Eagles fans definitely more popular. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. More popular. He's the more popular <laughs> choice from the Super Bowl speech and everything. So. Um, I, I do, I do kind of think that that's probably why. Um, I, I actually don't know how the NFL does it because the NBA does it as like, okay, it's ten percent fan voting and then all this other stuff. Um, I don't know what portion. I guess I could look it up, but I don't know what portion the NFL is because the fan voting. I mean, as much as Chargers fans do get after it, that kind of concerns me a little bit too because if you have like, I don't know, uh, 
Hudson, who's, you know, uh, he's in the NFC now. Where's Hudson? Oh, okay. I was thinking about the Raiders, but, um, you know, if you do have some high priority centers, uh, that are going to be there, then they'll probably get some fan votes. So, um, I don't know. It, that'll be interesting to watch. I definitely think he could just make it on his play alone. Um, I, I don't know if there's any centers in the AFC that like really scare me off of Corey Lindsley, but it just felt like in the NFC, there was always some guy that was more popular and that's what the Pro Bowl is. Like you said. Yeah. So the AFC centers, really, it's like Ryan Kelly and Lindsley, I think, in my opinion, you know, obviously Hudson's in the NFC now, and then you've got Ragnow, who you mentioned. Um, yeah. Jason Kelsey will get votes because he's, you know, he's Jason Kelsey. <laughs> um, and then they have um, Ryan Jensen as well. So, mm-hmm. um, but I, I had quite a rant about Corey Lindsley. I'm not going to do that again here. Well, oh, the, uh, the only other person I want to mention was uh, Betonio because uh, Betonio from the Browns has made the Pro Bowl last uh, three years. So, oh, yeah. That's, um, that's probably the guy yeah. who's kind of, you know, the competition. Yeah, but at the end of the day, offensive linemen, like, who cares about Pro Bowl votes? Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know, but like, unless you're like truly like one of the best, like most popular players, like everybody obviously voted for Joe Thomas, right? But yeah, it, it's so much harder to make the Pro Bowl as an offensive lineman. But absolutely don't disagree with his uh, being number one for Tyler. I just have a different list. So I'll give mine here. Um, I think Mike Williams potentially could be like an honorable mention. Yeah. Uh, and of course, I uh, have to mention my breakout player, Jerry Tillery, as someone who could potentially make it um, if he has the kind of year that I think he can have. Um, that being said, at five, I have Drew Tranquil. At four, I'll have Michael Davis. At three, I'll have Corey Lindsley. At two, Kenneth Murray. Uh, and then one is Austin Eckler. I think that's going to be the one to really make the difference. And at, really, at the end of the day, I think fantasy football, in terms of having like a nationwide yeah. vote, like mm-hmm. that's something that has uh, carries a lot of weight and Austin Eckler, like, uh, you know, I'm seeing him be ranked in the top five for a lot of people in terms of fantasy football for running backs. Uh, I think he's going to have a monster monster season as a rusher and as a pass catcher, um, you know, filling that kind of Alvin Kamara role. And really the biggest thing for Austin Eckler is like, he needs to score more touchdowns, like to really get that national yeah. respect, very similar to Keenan Allen. And, you know, if you look at the way that the saints used Alvin Kamara, you know, they did not shy away from using him in the red zone. It wasn't like, okay, we're in the red zone. Now it's Mark Ingram time, or now it's Latavius Murray time, which is what mm-hmm. happened to Austin Eckler for the most part. We, the Chargers will get into the red zone, and it's Melvin Gordon. It's Joshua Kelly. It's, <laughs> you know, whoever. So I think Austin Eckler is going to have a monster yards season, and I think he's going to get, you know, 10, 12 touchdowns. I think it, like, really, really have a huge season for the Chargers. Uh, and I think he will be the one to get his first Pro Bowl. Uh, obviously, there could be others, right? But I think Eckler to me is is the most likely. As far as you know, the AFC goes or running backs go, it is going to be a tough, crowded group. But I will say, I'm pretty sure by far Eckler touched the ball the most today on offense, which is kind of expected. But it was pretty much equal share rushes and receptions, and it, he, I think he did have the biggest first team offense uh, play of the day on a screen. So, yeah, he, if anyone's going to have a good year this year, it's definitely Austin Eckler. He's going to be involved quite a bit. Yeah. Um, so, okay. If I'm making a five that I was thinking about while you guys were talking, um, I would probably go five Tranquil, four Williams, three Murray, two Eckler, and I'll say one Michael Davis, um, who's kind of been 
my pick for it. Um, and so mm-hmm. I think what you see with Michael Davis, and I saw a play where he broke up a pass today, so he looked seemingly okay. Um, yeah. So, I mean, look, he, he just has the speed and the intangibles, and I have never been as impressed with him as I was during that Buffalo game, uh, mm-hmm. just going, you know, one-on-one with Stefan Diggs. Now, there will be a little bit more rotating in this offense and and not uh, so much a sing- uh, singular and like kind of one-man coverage, but I do think that he showed enough last year to be like, okay, this is really potentially the breakout year for him. Um, yeah. So, yeah, he's kind of my you know, Pro Bowl candidate if I do have one. Uh, although, you know, that, that that's just kind of my hype train. You know, obviously I can see why it would be easier for players like Austin Eckler, Mike Williams in particular, you know, just because they're offensive and it's easier for them to get stats, right? Um, sure. So I, I do think that there's more of a chance probably of that. But I, I think there are also, you know, I was thinking about this today. You look at some of the cornerbacks in the AFC, Stephon Gilmore is entering his age 31 season. Um, yeah. So I think that that's somebody who can maybe fall out of there. Um, I think Marlon Humphrey is like 27, but I don't think he'll really decline. Um, but yeah, so no, I would probably go with uh, Michael Davis as my number one candidate. And, you know, if you said that, you know, like Steven said, <laughs> when he said uh, he was considering buying a Michael Davis jersey, yeah. like if, if you it's told so me weird. this would happen a year ago at this time, I would not believe you, but I really do believe he's kind of ready to make the star turn. Uh, maybe not star star, but, you know, a guy that has a lot of respect around the league that can, you know, cover a guy. Okay, go I'll go. Um, as far as his case with the Pro Bowl would go, I think the best thing going for him, if he continues to have a good season and then continue on that upward trend, is that people in the media will write him as, is this the next Jalen Ramsey? Because he, you know, Staley worked with Ramsey last season. So now you have right. a guy this season, a high profile corner. Yeah. And if the stats kind of hold up, they're like, well, this is, look what Staley's done with this corner. And he's turned him into Jalen Ramsey. That's, that's the best I got though. Yeah. Like I, I mentioned, you know, the fantasy football thing, like, you know, that has some merit for cornerbacks too. Cause I remember, you know, I, I follow a bunch of fantasy football podcasts and everybody would always talk about like, Oh, you can't play X receiver against Casey Hayward. You can't play X receiver mm. against Stephon Gilmore. If Michael Davis becomes that kind of player, then you know he'll get some votes from that way as well. And obviously, he'll have a big following in terms of being <laughs> someone mentioned. We need a Rachel Osovich signature. Um, yeah, I guess <laughs> that's uh, Michael Davis's girlfriend. For those who don't know, um, uh, she's a UFC fighter, which is is kind of funny, um, but. Yeah, like Michael Davis obviously has to put it on the field, right? But, you know, I think a lot of people kind of make fun of fantasy football, but it is a way that people kind of go out of their way to vote for their favorite players or players that they respect. So mm-hmm. um, definitely don't hate the Michael Davis thing. I think Kenneth Murray, if he has the season that he he could be having as well, you know, he's got that Oklahoma following that, that could give him some votes too. So um, I think Kenneth Murray could, could be super likely as well. Um, any other thoughts on potential Pro Bowl players, guys? Eliminate the Pro Bowl vote. Uh, fans shouldn't be allowed to vote. We're all stupid, and we shouldn't be allowed to do anything. <laughs> well, to to some extent, I, I think the fan vote should be involved. Um, but yeah. I do like how the NBA has kind of made it like a ten percent kind of thing. Yeah, um, like that, I'm fine with. But I don't yeah. know. Like pe- people were trying to. I mean, there's been plenty of NFL and NBA petitions that are just like really stupid. Um, in the NHL, yeah. there was like. 
there was a movement yeah. to get uh, John Scott into the All-Star game, who was this, like, famous, you know, NHL goon who was basically around for, like, 20 years and yeah. never scored any goals. Um, yeah. But, yeah, so there's there's dumb stuff like that. And then he actually got in the All-Star game. But, um, yeah, so. I'll never uh, forget, uh, there was one year in the NBA when Zaza Pachulia was, like, fifth in <laughs> fan voting among centers. Yeah. Because, like, he, I mean, everybody in his in his home country, like, went and f- voted for him like crazy. So um, I, I think fan voting is fine to a certain extent. It definitely should not be something that, like, carries a, a ton of weight. Um, uh, if they do anything, please keep the Pepsi Rookie of the Year award because that is the Chargers fan <laughs> Super Bowl, and we need that. True, true. Cannot wait to vote for Rashawn Slater and uh, Santi Sammy Jr. and all yes. those guys here. Um, all right, so guys, we will be taking some questions now. Um, so if you have one, you know, feel free to chat it up. As always, the super chat feature should be enabled, so you can absolutely use that as well. So uh, Emily's twenty-seven. We'll start it off here. Where do you see Justin Herbert? In the NFL top 100 list, above or below Justin Jefferson specifically, um, that's an interesting one. Mm. It usually takes a couple seasons, I feel like, for players to kind of make the NFL top 100. Um, so if he does make it, I'll say maybe in like the high 70s, low 80s. So I, if I'm not mistaken, they had a defender commenting on Justin Herbert, like someone like in the same oh, style that they was, do. That was Chris Godwin. That was Chris Godwin. Oh, okay. I don't know. Yeah. So I think that indicates that he's on the list. And if he's on the list above or That's below true. Justin Jefferson, I mean, technically Jefferson had a better receiver season than he had a quarterback season, but I think they might weigh towards quarterbacks. I'll say Herbert's in front and infuriate the Vikings fans. <laughs> <laughs> so I think this is actually interesting because uh, if you go back to the last rookie of the year quarterback who made uh, the top 100, it was Kyler Murray. Uh, who mm-hmm. came in at 90. So, I mean, I would say Herbert's rookie season was a little bit better than Murray's. So, Absolutely. I mean, that probably takes him into, all right, you're a bit homer. 80s and 70s range. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, yeah. statistically, Herbert was better than Murray. Like, All right, nerd. Anyway, Josh Allen. Uh, okay. Josh Allen made the list last year. I objected to it, uh, but Josh Allen did earn that respect this year. Josh was 87 last year, um, and then you start to get into Ryan Tannehill at 68, uh, which he's probably going to go up. And Kirk Cousins was at 58. I assume he goes down. Um, so, yeah, I I would imagine he's in the 80s, if I had to bet. Probably, we'll say, yeah. 82. I don't know. That's just the number I'll put out there. Yeah, I think he'll be ahead of Justin Jefferson just because there's so many receivers. Like, I mean, he didn't make the top 10 for Madden. He didn't make the top 10 for the ESPN polls that, that Jeremy Fowler did. I, I think yeah, it's just going to be for him to, to make that list. Um, Kevin Kernick asked about Ode Abushi at right guard. Uh, Brandon Staley did say that uh, Matt Filer is left guard. Abushi is right guard. Um, you know, we've kind of talked a little bit about Brandon Hymas maybe having an outside chance of, of stealing that spot. But um, until we hear otherwise, it should be expected that Filer at left guard, Abushi at right guard is going to be the starting interior. Yeah, I completely agree. There are no surprises. Um, Aaron Woolley asked about the backup quarterbacks today, Tyler. What did you see from Easton Stick and Chase Daniel? So just to start, Chase Daniel is the quarterback two, and Easton Stick will be the quarterback three. So that's kind of how we figured anyway. But just in case anyone was wondering, it could be a quarterback competition, I suppose. But as far as week one or day one goes, yeah, Daniel's the backup. Um, 
I, they looked okay. Like the offense just didn't really go anywhere today. So it's so hard to evaluate exactly how everyone did. I will say that Arjun said Easton Stick had looked decent today. I personally saw hit not so good throws from him, but I didn't want to tweet that out because I think everyone would expect me to be like, Easton Stick, sucked. And so I didn't want people to think like, oh, he's just doing that to do that. So well, like, I, well, I, I didn't I think heard, he was great. I heard he hit the ball to Joe Reed and that uh, was really impressive. He that's, did. That's the I, only I was, thing I saw. Yeah, no, he yeah. did have deep ball down the sideline to Joe Reed. I don't know exactly how good of a throw it was. I just know that Joe Reed came down with it. Um, I don't know. I, I assume it was good. It, the ball was thrown. It was complete. It's a good job. <laughs> um, let's talk about the kickers again. Obviously, we did literally a whole episode on, on kickers. Um, each of the Holy three of God. us kind of picked that guy uh, who we think is going to win. And you know, mm-hmm. each of us you know, picked different players. Um, it seems like a lot of the beat writers are expecting it to be Tristan Viscaino, who comes out. Um, Popper and Gilbert Manzano and Michael Peterson all had Viscaino winning the battle. Um, Tyler did not get to see much of them today. Uh, they were kind of hidden on the far side of the field, which is, I feel like that's pretty normal, right? Like you, you usually see, you know, the offensive and defensive stuff up close and then usually the kicking stuff is, is kind of back there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, Alex is kind of the Alex Kessman guy and Tyler picked Michael Badgley. So has anything really changed for you guys about the kicking uh, battle? Uh, or are you still kind of leaning Badgley and Kessman respectively? Alex, we'll start with you. Yeah, I, it's so hard to say from, from training camp, really, because Tyler couldn't even see it. He was on the other side of the field. And, yeah. you know, I think they're really going to be judged by particularly how they do in the preseason games with their attempts. So, you know, I, I think they'll kind of make the decision from that. Um, as far as Viscaino having an early lead, I wouldn't be surprised because, you know, Kessman's coming in as a rookie and it, does, it seems like they are going to move on from Batchley, right? Um, particularly from the Darius Swinton quote that we talked about on the show. So, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Viscaino had a lead. Um, but to me, there's just nothing definitive because it is just going to be, right. you know, make or miss. Like, so to me mm-hmm. yeah like more than any other position i think that one is way up in the air other than badgley's getting cut um uh, you know and then we'll go from there i i wouldn't rush to judgment necessarily on that either because i could see a world where they keep badgley especially if he does play well in the preseason but you know uh there, there's no real way i think you can keep him if they are really putting an emphasis on one person does kickoffs and one person is doing, you know, punts or sorry, one person's doing kickoffs and one person's doing field goals. So when we did the kicker episode initially, and I can't believe we did a kicker episode, but um, <laughs> it was rough. I, the summer, rough. the summer man is, is brutal sometimes, <laughs> but um, I definitely had picked Badgley, but as soon as the quotes came out from, from Swinton that he wants a certain kind of kicker. And then I think there was a little bit of praise from his kind of, that like I just I've been on the Viscano train since our roster prediction I think so I've I've moved off Badgley yeah since that episode sure but now I'm I've kind of been on the Viscano train since our I think our roster predictions episode so I guess that's how it's gonna go and I think most of us are kind of assuming it's Viscano because of the comments but yeah. I don't know it really until we see them in preseason like none of us are gonna know like I I think it's one thing to kick in practice and it's another thing to kick in a game like we need to see these guys really get as much action in games as we possibly can before we can mm-hmm. say, okay, this is going to be the case. Because, I mean, Young Way Koo looked amazing in practices and stuff like that, and then the first game really just shit the bed. So, and you know, it, it is. 
Yeah. Um, all right, we got a, a super chat from Bolt Brett. Shout out to Brett. Uh, crushing it in the uh, content creation game right now has been a huge help for us as well. So uh, his super chat question is, how often did you see the defensive players shift around? Uh, did Staley hold back the personnel packages? Or was the defense constantly changing as advertised? Again, Tyler um, was kind of interrupted a little bit by uh, Josh, but um, I have text messages. You have text messages from Arjun. Yes. Uh, yes. So let's. Uh, what do you? What would you say to this question here? So I'll just read you some of these text messages because it is kind of the answer that I would give. So Tranquil would come off on face on would come in. Chris Harris would be at safety on some plays. Kaiser White was running with the ones on occasion. Um, he Arjun said that he thinks Kaiser plays. The nickelback, if they use two inside linebackers, um, or at least in the, in the base 5-2 or something like that. Um, so, yeah, it, it was kind of as advertised, uh, at least in terms of changing. It's hard to say how much the other backups would have been involved because you have the ones and you had the twos. And there wasn't a whole lot of, like, they didn't throw Asante Samuel Jr. in there. They didn't throw Mark Webb in there. So I couldn't tell you exactly how much of a dynamic there's going to be once you just have 11 guys on the field versus having to rotate through the ones and the twos and the threes. Um, but it, it did, like I said, it was very hard to follow what they were doing in the defensive backfield. The front five or four is pretty, pretty easy, but in terms, in terms of the linebackers and the defensive backs, yeah, they were shifting and they were changing, like you said, as advertised. So Kaiser White and Brandon Faison were kind of the, the two like substitutes, like the main ones that would come in with the ones. Yeah, I would say so. Um, Harris would play the outside sometimes, but then yeah, if if Harris played in the slot or at safety, then it would be uh, Faison that that came in. And then yeah, as far as white rotating, I didn't exactly get to see that, but yeah, it sounds like yeah he was in there with the ones on some some snaps. Yeah, no, I mean that makes a lot of sense uh, as far as like how they were rotating and everything. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so. Really, I mean, I know you got interrupted by Josh, which which is funny still. Um, but you I mean, know, I could have been a big boy to... and turned around and said, "No, thank you." But like, <laughs> not, not, not he was like, "Hey, listen to hey, me." <laughs> he, he's he's a doctor. You, know, you got to thank him for his service. Um, so yeah. Right. Uh, right. So yeah. Uh, no, I, I just think I, I think it'll be interesting to see how it goes on and which players really get those opportunities because. Mm-hmm. Day one of training camp, I think, is really just trying a lot of things out. And then day two, I think we'll see, you know, hey, like, is Amen Agbangumiga going to have a role or other guys, you know, that are kind of under the radar? But mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, definitely some things to keep an eye on. I, I'm, I don't know. It just kind of feels like, in, in terms of personnel, like, I don't think Brandon Faison's going away. Like, I think Brandon Faison's going to no. be not necessarily like a starter, but. You know, I think we'll see Asante Samuel Jr. and Faison both kind of be like the supplementary corners, um, at least in this first year. So I, I think, you know, I'm personally like excited to see how that works out. I think Brian Faison can bring some value to this team. And I think he's a great tackler specifically, um, but I'm excited about that. So Scott Childs, um, he's asked this question a couple of times, so I wanted to make sure that we answered it. Um, he wants to know if you felt like the offense had a saints feel today like you know we've t- we talked about mm-hmm. you know the personnel changes and kind of the tempo and things like that um how did the offense feel today and did it have a saints feel about it i'd have to go back and watch more of the saints in terms of i think i saw earlier you asked about like you know did it have a look of the saints offense in different formations uh yeah no definitely it was very hard to predict exactly what the chargers were going to do they would they could basically run out their first team or second team with herbert and it was actually like a pretty efficient looking formation. Say, do you want Cook out there? Do you want uh, neighbors out there? Do you want Parham out there? You know, what do you want to do? Um, so, yeah, I think in terms of 
you know, being very difficult to predict. Yeah, that was as advertised. As far as the offense in general looked, at least with Herbert, it was very, very, very quick passes today for the most part. They would just like snap, you know, hit your guy, snap, hit your guy, out route, slant, whatever, dump it off to Eckler. Very quick through your progressions. And maybe that's just an early thing. I don't know. And they did have some play action in there, but I, I would like to see a little bit more than that and or a little bit more than that. And I would like to also see some more shots downfield. So very simple today, very quick stuff, some play action, some runs, and, and that's about it. But again, it's week, it's day one, week one, and, and it'll take some time to, to have this. And for anybody listening, you know, we talked to Jeff Duncan or Steven talked to Jeff Duncan, and it took the Saints two yeah. years just to have their offense peak. So let's kind of, you know, pump the brakes a little bit. It's not going to be amazing right out of the gate. It was very Saints-like in appearance and also not very Saints-like in the fact that they couldn't move the ball. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. So it, it definitely could take a little bit for them to update the scheme a little bit. And obviously they've got yeah. to come together. I think chemistry, you know, cohesion is much more important on offense than it is on defense. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, I expect the defense to be on top of the offense for the next couple of weeks um, yeah. as the offense kind of takes their lumps. Um, last question here, and then we'll kind of wrap it up. Um, what did you see from Joey Bosa today? If anything, in terms of alignment, was he playing with his hand in the dirt? Was he standing up? Uh, and, and you can talk about Uchenna and Mosu in that regard too. Yeah, so Mosu looked pretty explosive out there. Again, you can't quantify how he did because he's not allowed to sack or hit Justin Herbert or the other quarterbacks, but he looked pretty good out there. As far as hand in the dirt versus standing up, I've seen that asked a couple of times. I don't recall how often there was a difference, but like Arjun relayed to me how often they were in like a 5-2, which would indicate that Bosa does have his hand in the dirt and they are rushing in some degree like that. So I don't exactly know how often he was doing either, um, but it seems like they were, it was kind of whatever you needed. Are you running into three, four? Oh, we just got a super chat. Thank you, Curtis Davis, for the $10 super chat. There's no question there. So Thank I'm you. assuming your speech is by my analysis. <laughs> Floored by it. Yeah, thank you, Curtis. That's good though that that Inmosu looks explosive. I think he he does. You know, I I think he has an outside shot of potentially being you know first time Pro Bowler. I think he's obviously got to have a big big season, but mm-hmm. um, I think he could do it. And you know, if he can kind of get to kind of like that Leonard Floyd fifty total pressures, eight to ten sacks, I think that'd be a fantastic mm-hmm. season for him uh, yeah. in his first year as a starter. So did, um, did uh, I just as a question? Did Ingram ever make the Pro Bowl post Bosa? I don't know. Yes. Yes. He made I, it in 17 I, and 18, I think. Okay. Well, so that was just kind of like, you know, what's the kind of ceiling for Enwosu? And I but, feel like it could kind of be that. Yeah. But I think 18, it might have been as an alternate replacing Bosa. But I do remember him yeah, yeah. outright in 17 that he that he was a pro bowler in 17. Gotcha. Okay. No, I was just curious because I didn't really remember that very well. But mm-hmm. yeah. All right, Tyler, any other final thoughts from training camp and then Alex after that? Uh, last one, a couple people were asking about three tight end sets. I did not see a single three tight end set. I don't think I saw two tight end set. I'm pretty sure it was just Jared Cook, just Donald Parham, unless you're counting Gabe Neighbors being in the backfield. But no, it was pretty much a one tight end the entire way. So a little bit different than I was expecting for sure. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, one tight end, yeah, that that does seem a little bit different. But, I mean, they can get into more two tight end sets kind of as the time goes along. I don't know if I expect sure. them to do a lot of two tight end sets anyway, because they're they're not going to be like the New England offense, which is what they're trying to kind of recreate with uh, Hunter yeah. Henry and Johnny Smith now, and back in the days with Hernandez and Gronk. But uh, I don't think they're going to be doing that. But I do think they'll do it on occasion. Um, 
I, I guess I did want to wrap the show up. Uh, people were asking us to, to you know, issue an update to our Devontae Adams talk last episode and also right. Xavier Howard. Uh, so I'll just say my opinion, then we can go rapid fire. But Xavier Howard, not really in favor of trading for, uh, you know, unless he, you know, is just asking to renegotiate those years as opposed to adding years onto the end of his contract. And then Devontae Adams, uh, I have no idea because I've watched Aaron Rodgers' press conference footage nonstop today. <laughs> and man these people seem to hate each other so um yeah i i really don't know what that is now at this point yeah the green bay situation is a freaking mess like aaron's <laughs> aaron flat out said like people don't come to green bay to play for green bay they come to play with me uh which was yeah. just like he really threw them under the bus and i you know we finally heard what aaron thought which was good um, but I have no idea how that will affect Devontae Adams. I, I personally, like if I were him, I would not stick around in Green Bay without Aaron Rodgers. Um, but we'll have to see. He is he was very, very clear in that he expects to be the highest paid wide receiver in the league. Um, so whoever signs him next year is going to have to do that. Um, as it pertains to Xavier Howard and Curtis Davis, I do see your super chat. Thank you very much. Uh, we do get, we will get to that question in a second and then wrap it up. Um, but Xavier Howard, like, I mean, Tyler kind of pointed out on Twitter, like his coverage stats are very similar to that, uh, to those of Michael Davis. Yes. He has the interceptions and yes, he has the pass breakups. I'm a little hesitant to trade the draft capital and pay the extension for a player like that. Um, and several analytics people pointed out that, Byron Jones is was the one in Miami to cover the opposing wide receiver ones more often. Uh, okay. So to me, that kind of points out that Miami, you know, really thought more highly of Byron Jones than they do Xavier Howard. And obviously Howard has a lot of value, right? Like I'll take 10 mm -hmm. interceptions for sure. Yeah. I just am not trading the draft picks and doing the extension that it'll take to do that. Cause uh, some people are saying that it'll take at least one first, and then potentially like another third and then a, another young player. And then you have to do the extension or, and rework it and give him more money. So I, I just don't think he's worth the cost. I think he's a fantastic player. I think he's a little overrated, but I, I'm not trading for Xavier Howard. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll pass on that one too. And the DBs looked really good today. So I'm, of course, come injury, sure, you're going to want a guy like Xavier Howard, but it's not worth it considering the roster they have. The DBs look really good today. No, I was just going to say, yeah, Miami showed you that they valued uh, Byron Jones over Xavier Howard by how much they paid them. Uh, so that, yeah. that's just... Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think he can be a very, very good quarterback. Uh, I just think that he needs, you know, I, I think he needs that other number one to kind of take attention away from him. Yeah. Um, Roger shouted at Casey Hayward. Kevin, uh, what does that mean? Um, Curtis, um, since you guys want a question, what do you all think of Storm Norton? and his chances of being the right tackle of the future. Um, I definitely don't think that is, you know, out of the question in terms of being the right tackle of the, of the future. Um, I think at this point, anything is on the table, right? Like if Brian Bulaga struggles with injuries this year, like he's going to get cut and he probably gets cut anyway next year um, just because it, it makes too much sense financially. So anything is on the table, right? Like I think Matt Filer could kick out to right tackle and be that guy. Maybe mm -hmm. Trey Pipkins kind of takes a step forward. You know, I, I was very high on Brendan Hymas. So uh, as a tackle and as a guard, I think he, he's got some really good value as 
Um, you know, some, oh, he said Aaron Rodgers. Shouted out Casey Hayward. Okay, that makes yeah, more yeah. sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think Brandon Hymas could have some value there too. And really the Chargers have options. So um, I'm not going to rule it out, but I, I definitely don't think that Norton has like an inside track to be that. I don't think we saw enough of him really to say that. I mean, he only started really two games, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but it's definitely not impossible. Yeah, I agree yeah, there. And the uh, only thing I'll so say is I'm pretty sure he was playing left tackle today, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, there just to go. follow up on what uh, Kevin said about the Rodgers question, uh, or Rodgers shouting out Casey Hayward. So Rodgers went on like a minute-long tangent in his press conference uh, where he went through all of the guys that he thought Green Bay uh, underpaid or did not show uh, a second contract Jeez. to. I included Casey Hayward and... Randall Cobb and like all the guys that he felt uh, they didn't uh, do well when they uh, were walking out the door, including Clay Matthews and a bunch of other guys. So that's what that is um, in reference to. So yeah, really interesting press conference today. But uh, as far as Norton, I think that really heavily depends on how this season goes, because if you do see some kind of flashes from Hymas, then, you know, that could set up him. Um, Filer is also a possibility if he shows you that he can kind of do it as a tackle or if you have some instances where Brian Balaga has to sit out a game or something like that, um, that could, you know, prove some opportunity for Filer. Um, and we just saw today uh, with a guy from um, Indianapolis, I forget what his name is, but, you know, he was uh, kind of, yeah, who is now a tackle in the NFL and got paid like it, right? So... I think in general, if a guy can kick out from guard to tackle, then, you know, they'll, they'll kind of try to do it. So I wouldn't be shocked if the answer was Filer there. Um, but, yeah, I, I think really the answer is probably Filer, Hymas, Norton, or, you know, just total re, uh, draft next year and, you know, something like that in the first round. But uh, that's probably the possibilities. Yeah, and that's that's an absolute possibility for a first-round pick, too. Like, you know, we've, we've seen that this regime is very committed to building up the offensive line. So if, you know, I think right now I would say Edge would probably have the edge, uh, pun intended. Um, but if Unwosu has a great season, right, like then they can pivot to right tackle or they can pivot to corner or whatever. So th- they have options, right? And I, I think mm-hmm. that's really the best the best thing that they've done in terms of the offensive line is they're not pigeonholed into saying like, okay, Trey Pipkins is a right tackle only. Like that's our answer, right? Like if Brian Belaga missed games, they can put Filer out there. They can put Questenberry at guard or, you know, Hymas at guard or Hymas at right tackle, Pipkins at right tackle. So I just like the way that they built it up and they have options. And I think that does apply for the future as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, all right, guys, that's going to do it for us today. I've got to run and go handle a meeting. So thank you so much for tuning in. We had a great turnout. The uh, audio version of this will be posted on all podcast platforms as well. Uh, so if you are just barely tuning in and miss some of it, you can catch the recap there. Uh, Tyler, Alex, thank you so much, man. Tyler, it's going to be a fun week for the rest of us and the other videos that we get to uh, put up. Can't wait to see practice on Friday. If anyone is going to practice tomorrow, uh, shoot me a DM and, and I'll make sure to kind of, you know, retweet your tweets and stuff like that first from stuff tomorrow. So again, thanks so much for tuning in guys and we will see you next time. Bye guys.
the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.